to, to me, you know, it goes back to that, that concept of sustainability and the idea that you can't have a sustainable community without it being both fiscally and environmentally sustainable. And so it's so key. And, and frankly, the same sort of decisions that have made our towns um, not fiscally uh, sustainable have also made them not environmentally sustainable. So I think there is a connection there. It's our Strong Towns membership drive. To become a member of Strong Towns, go to strongtowns.org and sign up today. Hey, John. How you doing? Hey, Chuck. I'm great. How are you? Good, good. I'm doing really well. Are you in Boise today? I am in Boise today. I've been traveling a bunch, but I'm actually home just for a few days here before I take off to head down to uh, to Texas, where I think I'm going to catch you briefly in person, which will be great. You you and I are going to cross paths down there. That's going to be wonderful. Hey, I, we're doing our membership drive this week. I'm reaching out to members. Uh, you're a very special member for a number of reasons we'll get to here, but I, I, I want to give people a sense of uh, who you are and, and what brought you to Strong Towns. You're the executive director of a group called Conservation Voters for Idaho. And I, I think just right off the bat, what does... What's the intersection of strong towns and conservation for you? To, to me, you know, it goes back to that, that concept of sustainability and the idea that you can't have a sustainable community without it being both fiscally and environmentally sustainable. And so it's so key. And, and frankly, the same sort of decisions that have made our towns um, not fiscally uh, sustainable have also made them not environmentally sustainable. So I think there is a connection there. Although, you know, I, I actually did not come, uh, I had a different job when I first uh, encountered Strong Town. Uh, I actually was running a small newspaper up in rural northern Idaho and was on a small city council there of about, about 8,000 people. Yeah, I, I've heard it's the most beautiful city in North America, or is it the, the world? You know, I think either one of those options is good. You know, <laughs> best city in the world or best city in America. Either one of those options, Sandpoint, Idaho, um, great, great place. And one of my, uh, you know, one of the places that I, that I most feel connected to still today and really care about. And it was that caring about that place and caring about that small city, uh, that I lived and worked in and that, uh, is actually still so important to me that drew me to strong towns. Uh, this is actually my second appearance in a pledge drive time period for the Give to the Max stuff. I was just realized this the other day. Wow. Um, I was going back through the way old blogs. And this is from November 16th, 2011. <laughs> uh, you wrote a post on the Strong Towns blog um, pointing out the need uh, for more resources so we can expand the work. And I think that's still true today, although the organization has certainly grown since November 16th, 2011. And I had written into you at some point, and you quoted me on there. It's John from Standpoint, Idaho. And what I wrote then was, I'll just quote from that post, as a councilman in a small city, population 8,000, your podcast and blog are invaluable jumping off points to exploring how to preserve the resilient, financially responsible, family-friendly community we want to remain. Thank wow. you for your ideas and passion. Wow. I, 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 I'm sad yeah. to say that I don't remember. I <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate you pulling that back up because, you know, we get a lot of, a lot of stuff like that and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. But, uh, that, and, and that's I think special. The, the I, best part about this is if I wrote that into you, I read you posting on the give 
and then I promptly failed to give you any money and donate to a strong council <laughs> for the next three years. So I think that really shows you how well that uh, worked, right? Yeah. And I think that, to me, when we when we think about strong towns or in the middle of one of these periods where we ask people to give, you know, I'm a really bad example. So give sooner than I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it took, I really, I think it took me three years since then. While I was benefiting from all the strong towns information, what was helping me grow, while I felt inspired to send you a personal note and thank you for it. Yeah. Uh, before yeah. I actually made my uh, first contribution. Uh, to the organization, and I, you know, it doesn't have to be a, it doesn't have to be a lot, but it would be great if if you're finding this value and you send a note over to Chuck um, to actually have people give would be really wonderful, and that and that's why I gave was the same reason that inspired me way back there in uh, gosh in 2011 to wow. send you a note and uh, thank you for the work was helping us uh, build a stronger town in North Idaho. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I do run into people all the time who come up to me and say, you know, Chuck, I, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, it really makes a difference for us. I've been meaning to become a member, but I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, I know it's really hard for people. You know, you're listening to this while they're they're jogging or riding in their car or driving the bus home or whatever it is. And, you know, to remember to go to the website afterwards and, you know, make that donation or become a member. Um I appreciate you getting around to it after three years, John. That means a lot to me. Yeah, I think that was you. I finally, I finally got around. I finally pulled it up there. Yeah, I thought I'd surprise you with that quote because I know that it slipped your mind. Honestly, it slipped mine. Yeah. Uh, till yeah. Just till just recently, but I think you know, so the same values there that still hold it together to me. Certainly, certainly, the environment's very important to me, and that's part of it. But even more so, it's these small towns that really are these. Special places, um, and uh, they're special places largely because of uh, the people who live there, the people who make them up, and just seeing people struggling to keep it going. I mean, watching how we had had uh, roads in town that were, hadn't been paid, repaved in you know twenty, forty years. Looking at a uh, at a water system that was becoming less affordable for people in town to actually be able to afford to pay their water bills, and you look at those kind of things and you say. We can't keep going down this path. We need to find a better way. And, and we were lucky in Sandpoint um, that we had we had some time left, uh, and we had some ability before things really got out of control. Sure. But to me, that's the whole power of the strong towns thing. Is that is as a message is this idea that we can, uh, you know, work together in our towns in a in a very humble way to actually uh, make them stronger places that will allow them to last for another generation. Now we just got through an election season. Uh, I know that there, a lot of people have contacted me from states that are blue and deep blue and said, oh my gosh, we have all these uh, red side of the aisle people now uh, who we have to deal with and we don't know what to do. You come from a very red state. Uh, I have been amazed by you in a number of ways, but one in particular is how you have been able to frame a conservation message, a strong towns message with people regardless of political party. How has the work that we've done here helped you to be able to do that? Well, I think it definitely helps to think of these issues as, uh, you know, we all agree that the, that the numbers have to work, right? The math has to work. And both political parties have avoided that reality. Um, whether, it's to, uh, whether it's to spend more or cut taxes, um, either way, uh, we've seen the political parties really move away from the math, and, and you have to do the math, and I think that's the core message of Strong Towns. Uh, you know, I, I think pointing to that problem is actually one of the big values of, of our movement. 
And I and I think I, mean, I think there are liberal solutions and there are conservative solutions solutions that both can work. They're distinctly different than each other. Um, and there are also conservative solutions and liberal solutions that would just won't fiscally bounce out. And I think the important message of strong towns is to say, look, you can approach these problems from a variety of directions, but if your math doesn't work in the end, it just doesn't work at the end. Right. You know, you can't you can't just uh, you can't fabricate the numbers because there is actually reality and it will come down on you. Uh, rhetoric isn't enough to uh, to drive off the uh, fiscal reality we face, and neither is, frankly, um, continually just taking out more and more debt, uh, which we've seen, which we've seen both Democratic and Republican administrations do. Right. Uh, so that's not certainly not a partisan uh, critique, which I think is part of what makes it a, a powerful one. The other thing I'll say, though, that I've come to value more and more. Um, and this is, you know, this is a relatively new concept, I think, that we've been throwing around, but this concept of a strong citizen, someone who's looking out for their neighbors. And what made it, what's made us effective in, in my world, of, my small world of politics here in Idaho, is, is trying to find people who are strong citizens. And I guess, I, I just want to give you like an example of what one of those people is to me, because uh, I think that that helps demonstrate what it means to build strong towns. Yeah, please uh, do. So there's this, there's this yeah, so there's this guy, this, uh, he's a Mormon Republican rancher out in uh, Ledor, Idaho, which is like in the middle of nowhere. It's a town of maybe 100 people, and that's probably being generous, uh, out in rural <laughs> Idaho. And, uh, you know, his, his family probably makes up a quarter of the town or something like that. Uh, and so, so I was out there with him um, in October of last year. I guess it was a little over a year ago now. His name is Merrill Beeler. And we were sitting around his kitchen table and, he, table, and he had this big stack of, like, graphs and charts and, uh, and information and everything. And I was like, Meryl, what is all this stuff you've got here? What are all these charts? What are all these graphs? What are you doing here? And he said, oh, John, I'm just researching the snow load. And I said, oh, why are you spending all this time researching the snow load? And he says, well, you see, uh, we have a requirement in Lemhi County, which is where he lives, that you have to build for a uh, 60, 70 pound snow load. But what the data shows here is that you only need to build for a 30 pound snow load. We never have enough snow to actually go over that limit. Wow. And it costs thousands of dollars more to build for a 60 pound snow load than to build for a 30 pound snow load. And I said, oh, so what are you building? And he said, oh, I'm, I'm not building anything. And I said, <laughs> then why are you spending all this time doing all this research and going through all these files uh, to find out the snow load and research and try to repeal this, this ordinance. And he says, well, come with me. And so he takes me over to his window, and we're in the middle of rural Idaho. Right. So it's like a ways out to his neighbor's house, but he points out to his neighbor's house, and it's a few acres over. Um, and, you know, you can look at the house, and it doesn't look like it's in great shape. There might be like a car in the yard with some grass growing up. Uh, the roof doesn't look great. He says, you see that house over there? That's my neighbor's house. And they have a girl over there who's going to be a senior in high school this year, and because of the money they saved putting on their new roof, she's going to have her own room for the first time. Wow. And that's why I did it. Yeah. Wow. And, and here's why this story is a story about a strong citizen. Let me just, like, complete the circle here, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's a powerful story. He's a great guy, and we just got him elected to the uh, state legislature this November. Uh, he beat a 22-year incumbent uh, to get into the legislature. It's actually the most anti-conservation incumbent in Idaho he beat. And here's a guy who really cares about his neighbors. And, but what he, what he did is that makes him a strong citizen and makes him part of our movement, although I, I don't know if he knows he is or not, uh, but is the fact that he used data analysis. He researched something. He looked at the facts. He looked at reality. 
And he used that to help his community be a stronger place and to help out his neighbors and to build a stronger community. And that, to me, is what it means to be part of this movement and to be a strong citizen, is to use the facts as a tool to improve your community. You, you traveled with me around the state of Idaho and you know watched the curbside chat presentation more times than you probably wanted to. But, but I think more importantly, you saw the reaction of people in larger cities and smaller towns You've also seen now how the message has evolved over the years. Just in the last month, you've agreed to be on the Strong Towns board. Uh, something we've been wanting to get you in for quite a while, and, and I'm really happy that you agreed to do that, really honored that you agreed to do that. What are you looking at in terms of the trajectory of Strong Towns? What you've, you've seen this history, you've seen it develop and evolve in where you're sitting, where does this whole movement go from here? To me, the, the core message of Strong Towns is about, is about fiscal responsibility and about having a, a, a reality-based approach um, to the challenges we face in our, in our communities. Um, so to, to me, that's the core thing that doesn't change. But I think we're, we're seeing a moment where, uh, where there's a lot of different opportunities. And I think sort of the exciting thing about Strong Towns right now is that it isn't absolutely clear what that next step in the journey is going to be. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's probably 20 different types of ways we could pursue these objectives and, and, uh, and pursue spreading this message. And perhaps one of the most exciting things about that is the role that our members continue to have in how we think that through and how we approach it. So it's, to me, that's what's really exciting about being on the board right now. Is that it's a moment of real, uh, a real key shift. And, and I'm not, uh, I'm not totally, uh, I don't know that I'm totally uh, convinced of any particular direction yet, other than the fact that we need to continue to find ways to spread our message and spread it to a larger group of people and, uh, and also find ways uh, to help people apply it. And, and I think that application will look different from different places. I think that you'll find um, conservatives find a way to apply it, liberals find a way to apply it, ways it's applied in the South and the West and the East um, and the Midwest in all sorts of different ways. Hey, John, thanks so much for being a member. Uh, thanks for all that you've done to help us. This is kind of like the year of John for me because I'm going to get to see you uh, now uh, three, the three times, four times this year. We get to hang out together. So uh, I feel very lucky. Thanks so much. Yeah, th thank you, Chuck. And, uh, you know, keep doing what you can to build strong town. I just always want to say that to you. We need your support here at Strong Towns. Become a member today by going to strongtowns.org.